So are we starting a tradition, Mike? I think we have, just in the sense that we're doing the thing we did last year again. I think right. that's how traditions begin, right? You just do something more than once with a set right. period of time in between. I guess so. I guess that is how traditions start. There's something kind of funny about, like, we did State of the Apps 2018, right, in December of last year. About, actually, pretty much a year to the day since the last one um, was released. That was episode 61, and we're at episode 78, and it's been a year. (laughs) Wait, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Well, How does, wait, how does, that doesn't make sense at all. I don't understand. How can that possibly be? How can we, how can we both have... 78 episodes and also only have made it 10 episodes in a year. I don't understand. That's I think you're doing your math wrong, Mike. Who can argue with Cortexmas? <laughs> no one can argue with Cortexmas. <laughs> the year-long celebration. <laughs> oh, good. You're finally on board. Cortexmas, it lasts all year. There's nothing I can do about it. I have to agree. <laughs> Perfect. Well, welcome to the State of the Apps, people. The traditional State of the Apps. So like last time, the way that I figure we'll do this is we'll go through some, some categories. Mm-hmm. Again, so this, this idea was based on a blog post um, that Gray wrote many years ago. I think it was 2014 was the original state of the apps. Oh, God, who was that guy? You were trying to be a, a blogger then, I think. I think that was what you, were, <laughs> what you were going for back in 2014. Oh, yeah? Do you think that's what I was trying to do? Okay. <laughs> I think so. I think so. But it's, it's there. It's on cgpgray.com. And, and there is a list. And many people have been asking for an update on this. So we decided to do it last year. And we're going to do it again this year. Um, so based upon the previous work, we've got some categories. And we're going to talk about some of our favorite and most used apps within those categories. But before we actually do begin, mm-hmm. well, I have some thoughts of my own about applications in general in 2019, but Ooh. I figured we may, I wanted to get from you some feelings about like your app usage, because the last we heard, you were very like shortcuts and action based. So I wondered if, do you even think about apps in the same way on your iOS devices as you did a year ago? Oh, you mean because of my fantastic home screen that yeah. I'm really happy with? Your different home screen. <laughs> no, no, Mike, it's fantastic. There's mm-hmm. there's no way around it. It's a fantastic home screen. Uh, it it makes me happy every time I look at it to see visual consistency without words. Mm-hmm. It brings it brings warmth to my heart. Uh, but no, I, I wouldn't say like like I think about it completely differently. Shortcuts is great. It's opened up a lot of ability to do things directly but apps and their limitations are are still the the beating heart of of what you can do on the platform so no i I don't feel like i've i've ascended to a level of nirvana where i'm just thinking abstractly in terms of actions Mm -hmm. perhaps one day Mm -hmm. perhaps on a future state of the apps but not yet not yet this state of apps i guess i'm only slightly more elevated than i was last year in terms of in terms of that kind of thinking. But what about you, Mike? I think I am mostly unimpressed or dissatisfied with the current application crop that I'm using. Hmm. Okay. Because I've been trying to think about, like, what are my favorite apps of this year, right? Because um, that's the kind of, it's the time for that kind of thing. Um, doing the Upgradies Awards show, right? Like, what is my favorite app of this year? Hmm. And I was kind of looking at the stuff that I use, and there are a bunch of apps that I really like, and we'll talk about them today, right? 
but most of them don't really necessarily feel like that they have come on leaps and bounds since last year. And mm. a lot of the applications that I swear by as being the best in their class, I actually think whilst they continue to be best in class, have mostly stagnated and are not really adding things at a rate that has been consistent with previous years. So mm. I think like at the moment, like looking at the applications that I use, a lot of them are kind of I'm 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 mostly just ambivalent towards a lot of them. That nothing is particularly standing out for me as being this like, oh, this app this year that I found, I'm so excited that I found it. A lot of the stuff that I'm using now is increasingly cross-platform and servicey, so that tends to take away a lot of the really exciting stuff when they're made by big teams rather than like individuals. Right. Um, and I know that there are apps out there that people are really excited about that I'm just not, I just haven't gotten around to using. Like I have a bunch of stuff that I keep meaning to try out, but just for whatever reason, I'm not getting to it. Um, hmm. But I just think the stuff that I'm using right now, I'm, I think I feel like I'm mostly using because of inertia as opposed to there being a real like, oh, this, this or that feature that keeps me stuck to it. Hmm. Interesting. That's a that's a somber note to strike at the beginning of the state of the apps. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know what it says. I actually think it's probably a mark on the ecosystem for application development right now, to be honest. Hmm. There's, I think there's a couple of things going on here. I think that a lot of developers are changing the way that they run their businesses. Um, many developers are transitioning to uh, recurring revenue streams if they have not already, right? So there's probably right. a lot of work going on in like business model development as opposed to like feature development. And I mm. also think that we're at a point right now in Apple's iOS software stack where we are probably on the precipice of a change. So no one's going crazy, right? Like... Everyone can see some stuff's about to happen, whether it's iOS apps coming to the Mac or another iOS redesign or some kind of new power user features. So I think that there is a little bit of like resistance right now for big change mm. because there is probably big change on the horizon. Uh, I think those are good. Those are good points. Um, I mean, again, I'm, I'm always in favor of apps switching over to a subscription model because that makes me feel more secure in using them. Anything that I use significantly, I want to pay for regularly if I want it to stick around. Yeah. And and it's like, I have a number of little utility apps that I, I even wish like, oh, could you just, I wish you could just charge, charge me like a dollar a year, $2 a year. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know. And I'd be happy to pay for it. And you'd have recurring revenue from this thing. Like I, I, I'll give an example. There's one I was really uh, sad about. There's a little total utility app it's just called soul s-o-l and it's a very simple app all it does is it shows you sunrise and sunset times and the golden hour for photography and what's called civil dawn and civil dusk like what does the sky look like during the day but it does it in like a nice beautiful simple way and i've always loved it and it's like man i wish this developer because it's clearly abandoned now and has been for many years like i'd sign up for a dollar a year subscription Oof. This is an unfortunate-looking application in today's world, I think. If you're looking at the pictures of it, yeah. I, I think it doesn't translate to the way you use it. Like okay. It's pleasant, it's simple, it's straightforward. And I have tried a whole bunch of other Sunrise and Sunset apps, and I like none of them as much as I like this one. But it's like... I have this with um, like world clock applications. Yes. 
So I have been using an app called Clock, K-L-O-K. K-L-O-K. Yep. Yep, I have that same one. (laughs) It's a very, very good widget, but it doesn't get a lot of love. I mean, it's had some Mm -hmm. bug fixes and stuff, but there's kind of, there's not really much there to it. And there have been other apps that I've seen since that are like that seem to have more features, but don't do the things that I want exactly in the way that I want them, right? But this yeah. is like one of those apps where I'm like, everything else that I've seen, I don't like. This one doesn't seem to get updated that often, which makes me consider that maybe it's not necessarily making the developer that much money. So it makes me concerned that it's going to go away. But it's an app that I use probably every single day, just in the in the widget and the notification shade thing. Yeah, clock fits into that same category for me. It's li- little utility apps, and I, I would be thrilled if there was some amount of money per year or per quarter that was small just to keep them keep them updated. I'd be happy to do that. So if developers are this year, like it's a little bit all quiet on the Western front, if it's because they're changing their business models to be more sustainable, I give that two big thumbs up. Like, same. I'd be, I'd be thrilled for that. Yeah, I, I'm not complaining in that regard. It's just my mm-hmm. point is that I don't really feel like there's a lot of super exciting stuff going on with the apps that I am using. Everything is working mostly fine, and I'll get to some issues with some stuff later on, which I'm happy with, right? Because please don't upend what I'm doing. But it's just a case of like, I think I've struggled this year to really find stuff that I'm like really excited about when it comes to applications and my hope is just that we're in like a, a holding pattern period um and and that there, there might be some stuff coming around the bend you know i actually think there might be an element of i'm the problem as well where just like oh i'm getting more boring <laughs> with what i need to do on my devices right so like i am more hesitant to try out that new app because it's going to ruin everything or like you know, this could be me. Maybe I'm the problem here. Actually, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a boring business person now, and and like, so like, I'm like, oh, I don't go near that application because of my precious, precious workflow. Um, I don't know. Well, I was going to agree with you that you have articulated something which I hadn't really thought about, but I do feel myself. But now that you have framed it in terms of, oh, the problem is with you because you're just a boring business person now. I do not wish to agree and put myself into that frame. So I'm going to slowly back away. You're an exciting business person, right? (laughs) Yes, very exciting. Well, that's good because now you're telling me it's not me. So that's great. So that's that's just, it's just, it's just been a little quiet this year, I think. Yeah, I think so too. All right, Mike, let's get started. The first category is productivity. Now, I think that people probably know where I am with productivity apps. But I want to know, because it always feels like like a real problem for you, where are you with to-do apps? Where have you landed at the end of this year? <laughs> All right. I'm still, for the majority of my tasks and just my daily work stuff, it's still in Todoist. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. All right. And look, Todoist, Todoist is, is fine. And I like it. And it's, it's you know, it's doing its job. And they've got some interesting stuff that they're working on. Like, I saw this, like, tweet go by the other day that they're going to add a new feature next year, which can turn your projects into cards in, like, a Kanban system. Okay. That's interesting. And you can choose either view. And I was like... Okay, Todoist. And like, look, this is an application where like, again, Todoist suffers from the cross-platform thing, right? In which Todoist kind of looks like a web app 
or something. Like, it has no real platform design. It just looks like Todoist, and Todoist looks the same on my Mac, on my iPhone, on the web, and on my Pixel. It's just Todoist, right? Like that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and it doesn't really have exciting stuff, but they are adding some interesting features. Like, they just added a, in their date picker, the ability to, to when you're setting up a task, choose fixed or floating time zone. And they have recently overhauled their date picker, made it better in some ways, worse in others, but like good, right? Like I'm I'm happy with the way that that kind of stuff is going right now. So mm. much so that like whilst I have kept an eye on OmniFocus and have uh, a task that a test task that pops up every time I return home because of that <laughs> because of their location stuff that I've been playing around with. And I plan to look at it, but I'm also like Todoist is doing the job for me, mm-hmm. for what I'm using, you know, and how I'm doing it. And I thought about like, oh, you know, there are these interesting things I could do with OmniFocus and it's just like a slightly different design and their customizability when it comes to the contacts and stuff like that. And, you know, I have some, we're, we're going to talk about yearly themes next episode. We'll talk about that later on. But as I'm like thinking about some changes to the way that I want to run my business next year, I might want some different views into stuff, but Todoist is working for me right now. Um, But Mm. it's not the only to-do app that I use, obviously. Obviously. I use things for for one project. Oh, interesting. Which is this show. Whoa, 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 okay. This is news to me. I I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It kind of makes me happy to know that Cortex requires an entirely separate... It does. To-do manager it does. for you, Mike. Can, okay, can you can you explain how and why? Okay, so I have a shortcut that I trigger whenever this show begins editing. Okay. That puts into things a selection of tasks under headings, which I really like that things has, with time set to them and all that kind of stuff. The posting process for Cortex is significantly more complicated than the posting process for any of my other shows. And Mm. any mistake with Cortex is much larger than any of my other shows as well. And this is in part due to the fact that there are multiple people, me and you, that Mm. are involved in that process. So it adds complexities and dependencies. Mm -hmm. And everything must be taken care of but there are also many, many problems that can occur. So like, for example, I make my edit and then I pass to you and you make your edit, right? I need to make sure that all of the clips and stuff are in the right places because sometimes Mm -hmm. when you pass them back to me, they're not. So like the ad sounds and stuff are maybe off by 10 seconds because you made an edit, right? Right. It's like all of that stuff has to be checked. But when I'm editing a show on my own, well, that's not going to happen because... I'm not giving it to anybody else to touch, right? So there's stuff like that. But then there's like making sure the ads are recorded in the right way and added in the right way, making sure that, you know, the Reddit post goes up and the email is sent out to your subscribers. Like you do that, but I'm checking it's done because it's part (laughs) of the process, right? So then they go on for later on in the day. And there's like, it's like a long list of tasks, right? Like, do the chapters all work and testing all of that stuff? They're making the YouTube video, right? That's a whole mm. thing I don't do for any other show. Um, and sometimes I'm only doing this stuff once a month, right? 
So yeah, if I'm not like all of my other shows, I'm doing them every week, but the process is the same for pretty much all of them. So I'm doing one a day on average, and that's pretty much the same process. But then there's this other process that occurs once every four to six weeks or whatever, which is very different and very complicated. <laughs> Yeah, that is prime. You need a checklist territory. It's, exactly. It happens rarely. It's it's high stakes. It's not it's not hard, but there's a lot of parts to it. And, and this is the problem with like Cortex being my biggest show. Mm-hmm. Every time there's an issue, it's amplified over other shows, right? <laughs> so like, if you if you do a thing where you call a sponsor by the wrong name, which is what I did once, you right. get a lot of tweets about that. Where if I did it on another show, it may have been like. A quarter of those tweets, right? So mm. there's just a lot on the line every time I'm posting an episode. So I, this was a, funnily enough, a, a system I learned from you, right? <laughs> like mm. there is like you spoke about this on an episode in the past about like your kind of uh, templates that you had going off in OmniFocus to like. Mm-hmm. So this is what I do. Like you have all of the different steps. So that all lives in things for me. And there's a, a couple of reasons for that. One, the layout options you can have with things are really nice the way that it's all formatted i like i know you can like hack headers into todoist but i don't like Mm -hmm. the way it looks so i like the design of things when i open up my cortex project and it's broken down into like audio video post-production promotion right like i have these big headers and all the tasks go in there and i also like is that then i have those 20 tasks not in my regular to-do manager messing everything up for that for those two days right so it's a a way that it allows you to focus on i'm just doing cortex now oh you know in this span of time from uh preparation to recording to post publication checking up on things and you don't want it it's just easier to access it in this one separate place yeah because then it's not like you know because i spoke about this before right like i try and keep my to-dos pretty lean you know like i said like if i have over seven tasks that i do on a day that's a terrible day for me like it's it's too much right right? because i try and keep things really focused i don't just throw everything in to my to-do manager so The Cortex task list is like 25 tasks over 24 hours. My brain would explode, right? Like if I saw all of that mixed in with everything else. Because it's not like for that 24-hour period from when like the edit begins to when it's posted or whatever. That's not the only thing I'm doing. I'm also doing all my other stuff. So I don't want those two things to cross over. So I use a completely different application just for that. And then I use Todoist for all of my other stuff. And then like... Some of the things that a lot of people would put into a to-do manager, I still put in Dew because Dew is incredible for little tasks. I absolutely love it. That is an application, actually, that has gotten a lot better this year. So that's mm. one. I'm going to give that one Dew. They added a, a feature for their notifications where you can pull down the notification and snooze it by a custom amount of time whenever you want yes. by pressing these little buttons. And it's amazing. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm going to reiterate. I do. I do love do. I love the uh, ability to snooze notifications, and it is. It is one of mine for the same kind of thing that that you mentioned. And I think it's. Uh, I think according to Screen Time, Do is very frequently like the second most sent notifications app because yeah, I'm always. I'm always employing it in scenarios where. I know I don't want to do something and it's like, do your job is to annoy me <laughs> into doing this thing. Yeah. So it's like, it's always, it always makes me smile because 
do being the second most notified app is often a, a sign of like, you know what I didn't want to do? I didn't want to go to the gym. You know what I didn't want to do? I didn't want to start getting ready for bed, right? And I just kept saying like, uh, remind me in five minutes. Remind me in five minutes, right? That's, it's it's a great little app. And it just, it makes me smile though, because it's like, uh, it's a perfect nag. And that's exactly what I want it to be. It's like, take out the trash, right? That's where yeah. that stuff goes for me. And then you will just keep <laughs> reminding me about it for four hours until I actually get up and do the thing. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of where I am with to-do apps right now, I think. You know, I've got my eye on OmniFocus still. I, I want to play around with it, but maybe you can tell me why I should. Because I assume that you're all Omni. Yeah, aside from the minor things with Do, which again feels like a totally unrelated set of tasks, mm-hmm. I have been all Omni... I mean, I guess since version three, so I guess pretty much since the beginning of the year. Uh, And yeah, that is 100% where I am. Although, Mike, you do, you do, you know that you're poking me with mentioning that Todoist has added the option for floating time zones. (laughs) You know, you know what you're doing. Yep. Because it's like, even though... Omni promised me that this was coming. And they said, oh, don't worry, 3.1. It'll totally be in there. 3.1 came, 3.1 passed. No floating time zones. It's still not there, and it kills me. But I have a... Okay, here is going to be the world's worst hack that I figured out because I have recently come back from a long trip to America where, again, this thing with OmniFocus was driving me crazy because I was traveling between... East Coast, West Coast, and Mountain Time, which every time I change time zones, it messes up all all my little reminders in OmniFocus. But it dawned on me on the plane what I could do. Okay. Now, Mike, OmniFocus has an option where you can export items as task paper. So you can just copy a bunch of projects, paste them into a text file, and it's in this format called task paper, which is like markdown for to-dos, right? It's a way to specify structure just using the character of texts. It's not like a real database. And I was flying over to America, and I had I had an epiphany on the plane. I thought, I know what I can do. This is going to be completely ridiculous, but I can do this. I went into OmniFocus on my laptop. I copied out my entire database in task paper format, pasted it into a note, then on my computer, which was, of course, disconnected from the world because it's an airplane, I manually set the computer to the time zone I was about to arrive in. So OmniFocus thinks, oh, I'm on the East Coast now. And then I repasted back in my entire database from task paper format and everything worked, right? Like reminders that are supposed to go off at eight o'clock, they went off at eight o'clock on the East Coast because task paper doesn't have any time zone information. So by doing this ridiculous copy paste back and forth, I was able to strip all the time zone information out of and then back into my OmniFocus database. And I think I did that five times while traveling every time I was going to cross a border. It's like, okay, on my computer, set it to the time zone where I'm going to go and paste back in the database, and it worked. Uh, but of course, that is a ridiculous workaround, but I mention it one here. one of the worst ideas <laughs> I've ever heard. <laughs> I mention it here in case there is anybody else who uses OmniFocus who travels I who this infuriates. implore people not to do this. 
Okay, well, listen, I will mention uh, there's going to be one problem. If you have attachments that are images, those will not transfer either. Now, fortunately for me, I don't have anything like that in my OmniFocus database. Uh, so look, I am not like recommending this. I'm simply saying if you are if you are exactly me, this is a great solution to what is the most longstanding and, and ridiculous limitation of OmniFocus. <laughs> So I'm just I'm just throwing it out there, people. Um, you can get around it instead of manually readjusting the time on 50 items. So I will say you've reminded me again why I will not move to OmniFocus in the near future. Because every time when I get off a plane and I open Todoist and it says, hey, would you like to change the time zone to this one? I, I thank my lucky stars that I use an application that understands time zones. Yeah, and, and all, like all joking aside, while I do love... OmniFocus. I, I, I am not in this moment seriously suggesting, oh, you should give OmniFocus a try. Because I really do think if you're someone who travels and has the kinds of reminders that we do, it's just a total deal breaker if you have a lot of them. Like, it's, it's just too frustrating. So I'm not seriously suggesting that you try it. I'm just going to keep waiting until OmniFocus fixes this and then try to bully you into switching. Because the, the, the fact that I can now set, like, if I ever, because what I would do, right, I have all my tasks, they just float. And then when I get to a place, I will change anything that I need to be in, like the home time zone back manually, mm -hmm. right? Right. But now I can, if I ever have a task, it's very rare I have these tasks. But now I can just, when I initially set it up in Todoist, fix it to this time zone. Yeah, that, like that's that's exactly what I want. And that's that's really nice. Like that's... Yeah it's really good that they've implemented that so that it doesn't even have to, or like you can be, be more confident that you have set this task in explicitly the way you want it to be, mm -hmm. uh, which is, which is, you know, what a deadline should be. But all of that aside, <laughs> that, that, that one grinding issue, uh, I do really love OmniFocus and, I mean, I've mentioned this before, but the thing that's the that's the really big deal for me is the fact that you can tag your tasks and you can give them an arbitrary number of tags. And so, like, if I'm I'm looking at my OmniFocus right now, why does this matter? Why do tags matter? For me, it amplifies what is the strongest point of OmniFocus that no other task manager does as well, which is I only want to see exactly what I can work on now. And it drives me nuts when task managers show you all of the things that you can theoretically do today, right? Or stuff that has to happen later in the day, but you can't actually start now. Like, I maybe it's just me, but I'm very sensitive to that kind of thing. And it just breaks my brain. It's very frustrating to see actions that I cannot act upon. And by using tags, you can specifically exclude items from a view that you're looking at. And so here's, here's how my day goes in theory. I have three what are called perspectives in OmniFocus, which are ways of looking at your tasks. And the, the top one I call like executor, which was very funny when we did our, our last book club for me, uh, because he's talking about being like the executor of your own life. And I have used this word as like my top level perspective for a long time. And executor, what I wanted to show me are, here are the things that 
are the most important things, but they're not necessarily urgent tasks. But if I'm hitting stuff out of the park, this is what I should work on. So these are, these are like, no surprise, basic items like go into the office and spend some time writing. Go to the library, spend some time following up uh, research questions that you had from yourself during the writing session. Go to the gym after you've done these things, right? These are like basic tasks. But what I want to be able to see is like, I want to open up my task manager and I don't want to be flooded with everything else from the day. I just want like, here are the big ones. And so it's great that in OmniFocus, no matter where those items are, like anywhere else in the system, I can tag anything executor and it will show up like in this top, top level thing. Mm -hmm. And then I can go through like the rest of the day working through more specific ones. So I have a, a thing called soon, right, which is just what it sounds like. It's just going to show me anything that has a due date that's available and anything that's flagged. So it's like, okay, I should work on those. And then I have another one which just shows me everything that's available in the whole system for me to work on. And like, I just love that I can get as picky as I want to get with these perspectives because you can just set up any arbitrary number of rules that can act on tags. And it's functionally a Turing complete system. Like it just, it can be anything that you want. And I'll show you, Mike, I'll show you now. Uh, and you can put this in the show notes. The one that I think looks the funniest for me is the the perspective of what do I want to see on my watch. And I'm just going to show you this so you can get a sense of like how complicated things can be. So I've just sent you like a screenshot of a perspective that I call widget, which is what do I want to see on my watch and what do I want to see on the widget screen on my phone? Okay. And what, why widget? Like just so I can understand the context of what I'm seeing. Like what does that word mean to you? The word widget means to me the like the widget screen on the iPhone. That's where it originally started. Okay. And then I just added it to the watch. Right? right. So the idea was like, what do I want to see if I'm looking at the widget screen of my phone? So that feels like a like high level, urgent, that type of dealio, right? So yeah, you've got that like available, due soon. Hmm. So here's here's the interesting thing is the watch one. I theoretically want that watch to always show me exactly what I want to see at any point in time. And so that means a pretty complicated array of things. Like in the morning, I want to see the executor items on the watch, and I don't want to see something that's due later in the afternoon. And so I've built up over time these rules that every time I see something on the watch that I feel like, oh, I don't want to see that at this moment. Is there some way I can express this in terms of a, of a if then rule based on tags? Then I add it. I'm looking at this now. Like this is a very complicated set of rules. Yeah. It like, that's why I wanted to show you and you can put it in the show notes so that people can see the kind of thing that you can do. I'm not expecting that it makes sense to look at it, but it, it's how you can build up a thing over time. Like I didn't yeah. sit down and write that one day and it continues off the page. Like it goes for a while. Yeah, I kind of imagined that was the case. <laughs> yeah. So like just so people can see, here is what my soon one is, which is much more like a much more understandable set of rules. Yeah. Okay. But these two things are for me the reason I love OmniFocus and the thing that just no other app does as well and it's why i will tolerate 
exporting and re-importing the entire database into an out-of-task paper format, right? Is because I'm able to keep all the rest of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, this is very much like a form of programming, right? Yeah, it, it's, it is funny because the only other app I've ever seen that did anything like this was my beloved Remember the Milk back in the day. And, but that one really had you learn a, like a little tiny Excel programming language in order to make it operate. But that's also why I love that one, because you could do the same same kind of thing. And yeah, this this is like Excel-y in the way that it that it works in setting up these rules. And uh, I hope they keep adding to the rule set over time. But it's it's really great. And it has just made a huge difference for me with task managers and just having a place where I feel like, OK, I'm just here. No other app is going to come close to this, so I'm just I'm going to stick with OmniFocus, and I don't have to, you know, as in the earlier days of the show, be flipping back and forth between things or always feel kind of unsettled, and yeah, so I'm I'm uh, I have a very happy home with my task manager now. Okay, yeah, see that's funny compared to last year. On last year's episode, you weren't using any. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What well, I'd I'd gone over to paper briefly, or I'd thrown up my hands in frustration. I don't remember. <laughs> just not at that point. It was just nothing. Like there was just nothing, oh, and I couldn't right. conceive I remember, of it. I remember that time of life. Right, I remember that now. That was yeah. That was a void where I was just like I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> this episode of Cortex is brought to you by Away. Away has the perfect gift for everyone on your holiday list. They make smart premium suitcases so your luggage never has to cost more than your plane ticket. I love Away's carry-ons because they feature a USB battery built right in. So you have a couple of USB ports right there with a battery large enough to charge your phone five times from a single charge. It is with you whenever you're out and about. And hey, if you need to get rid of your bag, maybe you want to store it in the overhead, you can pop that battery right out of the case and you can have it with you on the plane and you can even have it with you at your destination as well what a wonderful feature that is to have in a carry-on suitcase go to awaytravel.com cortex20 right now and you can browse away's line of suitcases they all feature premium german polycarbonate which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance whilst remaining lightweight they all feature a patent pending compression system which is wonderful if you're an overpacker four 360 degree spinner wheels tsa combination locks built in and they all feature a washable laundry bag too, which is removable so you can separate your clean clothes from your warm ones. You can choose from over 10 colors and five sizes of Away suitcases. They have their carry-on and their bigger carry-on, their medium and their large suitcase, and the kids carry-on as well. As I get ready to take some trips over the holiday season, you can bet I'm going to be taking my Away suitcase with me. I absolutely love this thing. I can squeeze so much into a compact frame. I really, really love it. I've been using their products now for a couple of years and I am a big fan not only have a way they've sent me these products in the past but I've used my own money to buy their cases as well as have other members of my friends and family because they've seen my suitcases and they love them 
Away's products are awesome and they believe in their quality. They offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they will fix or replace it for life and they have a 100-day trial as well with a no-questions-asked return policy. Away also do free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the US and they ship to many destinations worldwide. Because this season, everyone wants to get away, you should go to awaytravel.com slash cortex20 and use the code cortex20 at checkout to get $20 off any of their suitcases. That's awaytravel.com slash cortex20 and the code cortex20, cortex20 for $20 off. But for those of you listening, before the holidays, the last date to order with expedited shipping and receive it before Christmas is December 19th. So act now. You do not have long to get that shipping in, to get your gift in before Christmas. December 19th is the last date for expedited shipping to receive it in time for Christmas. And for those of you listening after the holidays, just go ahead and buy yourself something nice right now. These suitcases are amazing. Thank you so much to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. I wanted to touch on time tracking um, to give an update on mm-hmm. the time tracking app that I've been using. Because I'm not kidding, I think it's an almost daily occurrence now that people are mm-hmm. asking me, like, does the time tracking app that you spoke about this in beta exist yet? The answer is no. It's still being worked on. The developer's still putting a lot of time into it, a lot of features into it, and they're still like nailing down the branding of it. I don't know the timeline, but it mm-hmm. is being developed. And what I'll say is you can rest assured that when this application comes out, I will talk about it on the show to let everyone know that it's available. Um, so this was a this is basically a third party app to integrate with Toggle, which is mm. the only app that I use now to to manage my my time tracking. Um, it has great Siri shortcuts support if you want to do that. But I just like that I can get everything set up. It remembers a lot of my preferences, and it's just a really nice design. Um, but my understanding is there's still quite a bit of work to go um, for mm-hmm. for the developer to be happy and get everything that they want to put in the app. But it's really great, and it will be available at some point. Hmm. Yeah, just, I mean, just to quickly follow that up, I'm still using Toggle. I'm still I'm still using a, a derivation of Vitici's Toggle shortcuts uh, that he made available on his website, uh, taking those and customizing them for my own needs. So that's that's still what I'm using for time tracking. Although, just as a just as a point of interest, we may retouch upon this when the yearly themes come up, but. For the past, uh, whatever it is, five weeks that I've been traveling, I made a decision not to do any time tracking oh. during that period of time. Huh. Okay. So I, I'm on a temporary hiatus from time tracking. But uh, yeah, Toggle is is still what I think is the best tool. And Shortcuts, I think, is a pretty good way to interface with it. Yep. And I did take a look. Uh, their initial shortcut support was pretty terrible. But it looks like they have now properly integrated with shortcuts. So I will probably redo my Vitici shortcuts at some point. The official Toggle Apps Siri shortcut support has gotten better over time. But the official mm-hmm. Toggle app is still not very good. Yeah, no, no one no one should use the app directly. My God. Like don't mm-hmm. don't look directly at it. You have to use you have to use something else, right? It's like the face of Medusa and you need a shield called shortcuts, you know, in order to actually interact mm-hmm. with the thing. I mean, Toggle, you're great, but your app yeah. is not. And I'll give you money forever, <laughs> right? Like, give you money, you just keep being a service of an API and yeah. I can use other services and tools with it. That's awesome. <laughs> so you remember when I was talking earlier about applications that I use that I'm dissatisfied with? Yes. Calendaring is probably the biggest one. Ooh, yeah. I'm going to agree with you there. 
I am and have been for many years a devout Fantastical user. Mm-hmm. Fantastical, in my opinion, is still the best calendar application that you can get today. Unless you use one of the new iPads, where it is a design right. disaster. Yes. Um, they have not updated it, and there is like some kind of visual bug where sometimes half of one month and half of the other month just overlay on each other. I've seen that. I've seen that bug. Let alone the fact that their iPad app has never really been that great in full screen anyway. There's a lot of wasted space. But I really feel like at this point, like I'm stuck into Fantastical because of the natural language input. Like, I really understand, like, without even thinking how to format an event in Fantastical. Hmm. And that kind of quick entry is really keeping me locked in. The iPhone app Hmm. is still very good. Like, I'm still very happy with the iPhone app. Like, you know, I'm I'm I do wish that there was more stuff just going into it. I'm frustrated that I'm having to make the same feature request, which is that that I made in last year's episode, which is that the Mac app has a thing called calendar sets where you yeah. can set up different sets of calendars so you don't have to see them all at the same time. The iPhone app still doesn't have that and I don't know why. Like it's a the same developer, they they made this feature on one platform. I don't know why they didn't put it on the other one. Because they make a, they made a big song and dance of it on the Mac. It's like, this is this great feature we've created. Which is a great feature, but it's not on the iOS version. So it doesn't really feel like a lot is going into Fantastical on the iPhone. But Fanta- like the iPads have been out for about six weeks at this point. And the app has visual bugs, as well as not being fully optimized. And I'm a little bit perplexed as to why they haven't done anything about it from a developer that in the past seems to have been very on top of things. So mm. this is why I'm a bit like, you know, this was when when I was like thinking yesterday, like in like kind of mulling the episode over in my brain. This was one of the things that really stuck out to me was my calendaring system where mm. I kind of feel like it's not where I want it to be right now. Yeah, and Fantastical is also right in my crosshairs of an app that should be a subscription. Yeah, and we're like, please let me. Yeah, please let me subscribe to your app so that it can be continually updated because I agree, Fantastical is a is a great app and the calendar sets is the best feature of it. I, I just, I've never gotten into using the natural language um, right. processing part of it, so I can't speak to that, but yeah, like I use fantastical and i'm very aware that on the on the phone and on the ipad it doesn't have the calendar sets now it's not a it's not a huge deal for me because the thing that i've done for many years now is using two calendars i use apple's calendar which by default just has all of my calendars turned on which is a lot i mean i think i have something like 20 25 calendars Mm -hmm. um so when I want to see everything, I just open up Apple Calendar. And then Fantastical, I set into what I think of as planning mode. So uh, just before we started officially recording the show, Mike and I were talking about when are we going to try to record the next episodes of Cortex. And that's that's when I open up Fantastical, which I always leave in this planning mode, which is show me the calendars that are going to affect Anything where I'm trying to set up a meeting with right, someone or right. I'm trying to do a podcast it's recording. It's going to show you your available yeah. time. Yeah, it's or not even available time. It it shows me a, like just a bunch of things that are useful 
to know. Like one of the calendars, which I'm pretty sure I first heard about this idea from Merlin Mann is landscape, which is like things that don't, they don't affect me in any way, but it's useful to know. And so something I'll put in in landscape is uh, there are conferences that happen throughout the year. I can't attend all of those conferences, but it's often useful to know that the conference is happening on these dates because it means that oh, other people might be less available during that time, right? So it's like, okay, landscape is is one of those calendars. Or like, someone is visiting, they haven't locked down all my time, but it's good to know that like that person is going to be in the city during these spans of time. So, uh, but that's how I use these two things is switching back and forth between like calendars and Fantastical is those two modes. But it does feel like I should just be able to do this solely in, Fantastical, but they just don't they just don't have that option to switch back and forth on the phone or on iOS. So that's why I end up using the two of them. And then I just recreate that behavior on the computer, even though it's totally unnecessary there. But it's just it's just out of habit that I use these two calendars for these two things. Yeah, I mean it's like, you know, the like I'm looking at it now, right? Fantastical receives regular updates, but it kind of just feels like the things that I want it they're not doing. I feel like it hasn't changed in five years. Like from my perspective, it seems like it's exactly this. Like it still gives me that same frustrating tutorial every time I install it on a new device where it's like, mm-hmm. pull down up here, pull oh, all yeah, the way down, push back up, right? It's like, God damn it, Fantastic Al. <laughs> it's like the iPad app really does need some, just some general work. I think it it, it could be rethought to be more kind of visually responsible. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like some of the features they've added, like, they have a customizable notification thing, like like kind of like do. I don't use that. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't use that. I I don't ever snooze a calendar event, right? Like that. That's what it's all about. It's like, but I never. This is the thing I never do. Yeah, I can't even conceive of how that. Like my my concept of what a calendar yeah. event is. Yeah, it's like what like I don't understand for people that use calendars as to dos to right. calendars to do systems, which yeah. just. And, I can't. You know, not even by. Jason Snell does that anymore, right? He's no, left that. He saw the light. So, so nobody does that. <laughs> so, if I'm thinking about why do I feel like kind of my application use or like my my excitement in applications has calmed down this year, maybe one of those reasons is I'm not trying new email apps anymore. <laughs> the wheel. Two of the big email apps have been purchased recently. There was another one, uh, like a, I think, that just got bought. So a lot of the third-party apps are going away. But mm-hmm. now I am pretty much stuck in Spark, which is the right. app by Riedel. I don't really like the application very much. That hasn't changed. Um, I find their design choices to be peculiar in places, and... It, you know, it's just it's just not an application that I find like really meets with what I think of as a as a iOS app. It also feels very cross platformy, even though it's not, which is kind of mm. strange, right? It's like it's on Apple platforms only, but yet it feels like Todoist does, where it's just like I don't understand the design that you're creating here. Like it just doesn't gel with me. Mm. But their service, their team service. It's very good. It has changed the way I deal with email. Like I could never move email app now unless there is a shared team service built into it. Oh, interesting. Being able to... So like, here's the thing, right? Email comes in and it's for something that uh, our sales manager will deal with instead of me, right? But it comes to me. They've sent it to me. 
but I'm not going to take care of it. It's, it's, it's for her. So I can just assign the email to her so she can mm-hmm. deal with it. Now, yes, I could forward the email to her, right? If I was using yeah, a regular email. Yeah, it's not email the same. Yeah. It's not the same. Because let me tell you what happens. Email comes in and it's like um, a company that we don't work with that wants more information about our advertising. So I will assign it to our sales manager and then she will talk to them, right? That's kind of the typical flow of where this sort of stuff goes now. But when I assign it to her, we both have it available to us. We can have a conversation in line with the email without the recipient seeing it. And then if we want to do this, it's possible for us both to see every email sent and received in that chain together. And we can continue talking about it as the emails Mm. are going backwards and forwards. Like that method of inline conversation is so good because this enables us to have multiple streams of conversation in different silos, which is something we spoke about a bunch on this show. Siloing conversation is very good, right? It's how like me and Gray have simultaneous multiple conversations, right? Without getting things mixed up because we're having a chat in iMessage and business conversation in Slack, right? And like sometimes at the exact same time. And this is how I work with our sales manager now, right? Like we're Mm -hmm. talking about one thing in Slack and then we're talking about another thing in email. And then like in two weeks time, that email is going to pop back up in my inbox and she's going to say, this is all done now, right? And like Mm. without her having to like open Slack, be like, do you remember when I were talking about that thing? And right, like that does none of that's needed because everything's in line and it's all siloed. So I mm. love their Teams feature so much that I'm completely stuck in it no matter... Like, their app is fine, right? But one of my favorite things about email apps is there was always a new, amazing one with this beautiful design that did all this right. wicked and wonderful stuff. And I'm just not trying them anymore because the service is too important. And that's why I'm business boring Mike, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so my my email app over the last year has been i don't do email uh like i've i've for all intents and purposes just totally walked away from email did you say my email app is i don't do email (laughs) yeah that's what i said (laughs) can i download that where do you get that one well i mean you get that one by by making a by sitting down and thinking about a cost benefit analysis and understanding that there will be costs, but the benefit is you don't do email. Is anybody checking these email inboxes? Well, okay. So here's the, here's the bigger picture, right? That the important thing that's in email for me, I have moved almost everything into either my own company Slack or it exists in the Slacks of others. Right. So like, Mike, you don't email me. You send me a message on your Slack and I get it and I I respond. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think I'm a member of five or six Slacks now. And that Slack has ended up capturing, let's say, 95% of all of the valuable communication that used to exist in email over the past few years. And... It's had this this feedback loop where over time it has made my email less valuable to check, which then makes me want to check it less. And then when I go in there, it's like, oh, there's just a mountain of 
spam and automated notifications from things. And so I'm going to say my email use is something like once every couple of weeks, I open it up and kind of skim over it to see if there's any disaster that's in there. And the answer is almost never. Um, nobody else is checking my personal email accounts, but I have redirected essentially everything that's important to Slack. I, the people, not the messages you're saying, right? You've, you've, you've redirected the people to Slack. It's like, there's not the emails not getting sent to Slack. Yes. Yeah. To be clear, I always forget that that's a thing that you can do, that you can have yep. emails sent to Slack, which, which seems like, uh, an Ouroboros eating its own tail. Uh, I don't understand why people would do that. I mean, I kind of do, but it's just, that's crazy to me and my, my workflow. Uh, so I, I don't do that, but there is one thing that there's a, so there's a downside of this because I've, I've really doubled down on Slack in the past year in a way that I would not have expected. But this also means that I used to use Slack as like an instant message conversation. So, uh, it was only just direct messages between people. But as the number of projects has kind of multiplied, I've ended up being like, oh, this is what channels is for. Uh, so let's let's make channels for the individual projects and, and talk about things in there. But man, one thing email has, which as far as I can tell, there's no way to mimic in Slack, is there's no way to mark like, okay, this conversation is done now. And I've, I've cleared this. Like, it's one thing I really miss from, from email is the concept of, I am going to archive this thread and it is, it is going to go away because it is done. Okay. How do you think you can do that in Slack? Because Slack always shows you all of your threads, but here's the kicker. There's a thing that lets you clear a thread, but if anyone ever replies, you will never know. Because you have been taken off that as, as like, getting oh, as, replies? As an admin, you can just close them. Okay, explain. If you're setting them up as, as channels, right? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, I'm saying, like, I'm involved in a lot of conversations across a lot of channels across a bunch of slacks. Yeah. And the thing that I would love is, you know, like, it's like the, it's like the old dream, Inbox Zero. Right? I have... I have turned around everything that has come into my email inbox, right? Uh-huh. Well, in Slack, there's no equivalent to that. And I feel like I've crossed some threshold where it's a real problem now where I can end up losing something in Slack, where there's a thread that someone's waiting for me to reply to something about. And because I have 20 threads that I'm a part of, it just gets shunted down the chain really far. And it's hard to know at what point I'm, I'm done with these threads. So that like, that's the problem that I have with Slack is this mm. inability to know when is it cleared? There's no place I can look and say, I have dealt with all of the things that people require from me in Slack. Because and like the all unreads and all threads things are not helping you there. Well, so like when you go to all threads, it's essentially a reverse chronological list of all of the threads that you're involved in. Mm-hmm. But that can mean it's showing you things that are done, but below them might be things that are undone, right? right. There's, there's no way to like mark this state of this thing is done, this thing is not done, and don't show me the things that are done. So that's 
That is a frustration okay. that I have with Slack. I'd be, I'd be very curious to know if people have solutions to this. I've tried things like starring threads, but that 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 ends up being like a complication where you lose track of the state of the stars. It's like it doesn't. It do, it's not as clear as an email archive. And I only bring this up because I find I found myself on occasion thinking maybe I should go back to email. So I, I know mm. that these things, and it's like, no, no, don't do that. That's a terrible idea. There's a reason that you went to Slack in the first place. But it has crossed my mind that like I'm frustrated by the lack of clarity of clearedness or clarity of finishedness with Slack, um, even though Slack is, has overall been great. And um, I've, I really like it as a tool. That is, that is a, a frustration that for me anyway, once past a certain volume of communication on Slack has become a real problem for me. Because I'm assuming that you're, you know, because it will show you what you have unread in the sidebar, but you don't want to check everything. Well, no, well, here's the problem with the unread status. It's just like, it's the same problem with iMessage. There's there's no clear way to be like, oh, I've I've looked at this thing, but I can't do anything about it now. And I want to get it later. And it's like, there's this dumb Slack bot thing to remind you later, but that's not the same thing as like clear. You can mark it as unread again. Yeah, I know. I know you can do that, but I often come to a situation where it's like, you have 14 unread threads. And then I click on the button to see them and it instantly marks all of them as read. And it's like, Oh, okay. It's not really what I wanted to yeah, do. Yeah, see, that's ruined everything. Yeah, because now, yeah. now, what, what was I marking? Because now I've yeah, lost exactly. everything. Yeah, I get you. I've lost everything. That's why I never use the all unreads thing because it's just like, well, that's not what I wanted to do. Right? Was just mark everything as read when I haven't actually <laughs> read it all. Like that's not helpful. Yeah, I guess. I guess maybe what it is is that all unread thing seems like a pseudo inbox, which might be why I'm frustrated with it. It's like mm-hmm. an inbox that doesn't act the way you expect an inbox to act. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should try to get out of the habit of using that thing. But oh, that's I can't believe you use it. It's, that's terrible. I hate it. <laughs> it's really. I think like I wish I could disable it. Like it just gets in my way. I, I never want all unreads because it's like. Mm. That's not how I look at Slack. Like everything's compartmentalized. You don't just throw it all together. That's not helpful. Yeah. Whereas I feel like I want to hit that all on red thing and then just boom, 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 clear everything as fast as I can and then get out of there. Yeah. But it just, it ends up causing me more problems. Yeah. It'd be easier hmm. if things disappeared from the list, right? Right. But they don't. That's they the don't. issue is, is everything stays in there yeah. forever. Um, and, and all unread means everything that you've ever interacted with forever. Like you can scroll back for thousands of messages and all unread. It's like, God damn it. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's my my communications for any any and everything that's remotely business related is all entirely Slack and email. Like I live in a world without email, basically, is is where I am at the moment. I'm off the wheel, I guess. As I mentioned earlier on the show, I recently spent a lot of time a lot more time than I expected in America's mountain time zone. And boy, is that a beautiful time zone. And what do you do in a place that's filled with natural beauty? Why, you take a lot of photos. And what do you do with those photos? You let them linger in your photo stream forever unviewed. So sad. If only there was a way you could appreciate your beautiful photos Every day. Well, that is what today's sponsor, Fracture, is for. Fracture is the company that takes your favorite and most beautiful images and prints them directly on glass to display in your home. I've ordered several Fractures myself and they just look 
gorgeous. A beautiful photo printed on glass makes the photo look even more beautiful. It's quite stunning, and I love the frameless design that you get with the way that they're printed. There's no border, it's just all image. And the other thing I always want to mention is when you hear printed directly on glass, you're probably like I was thinking, expecting something that's heavy, but it isn't. It's shockingly light, which makes it dead simple to mount anywhere in your house. The wall hanger is even included. That's how fuss-free Fracture is. Now think of a beautiful photo that you have taken and how much more you could appreciate it if it was mounted on your wall. To do that, just go to FractureMe.com slash Cortex. That'll get you started. You'll see how sleek the fractures look. And by going to FractureMe.com slash Cortex, you get 15% off your first order. That's FractureMe.com slash Cortex for 15% off your first purchase and to make your home or office a more beautiful place. Thanks to Fracture for their support of Cortex and all of Relay FM. There's one thing that you haven't touched on, Mike, which I want to mention, which is automation tools. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, we mentioned shortcuts briefly. Shortcuts would be my app of the year, obviously. Sure. Although, I would not want you to spoil the upgradees and make any any remark on that mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I do just want to I just want to have a quick mention for Keyboard Maestro, which I was bullied into by Rosemary Orchard at WWDC, and I have barely scratched the surface with this, but I I love it. Like it's it's automation for the Mac, and to give you an idea of like I'm I'm using it very very simply, but I'll tell you two things that I've done with it which I which I really love. So one of the one of the things is on my laptop, Keyboard Maestro can look for certain triggers, and I've set up an away from home trigger. So if, so if I disconnect from my home Wi-Fi, Keyboard Maestro will automatically launch two power saving apps on my laptop. Uh, one which is called Turbo Boost Pro, which shuts down. Uh, it's not overclocking, but like the turbo mode on your computer which makes a huge difference for battery life. And another one called Endurance, which uh, once you hit 50% battery life on your laptop will like really start flipping switches to to conserve battery life. And then when I reconnect to the home Wi-Fi, it quits those two apps. So I really, I just, this is the kind of thing that I love. I don't think Keyboard Maestro is a good name for this application anymore. No, I completely agree. And I think it's one of the reasons why for years I just didn't... I th- I always thought it was a kind of Quicksilver competitor. Was well, it was. I thought. I think. Is that, oh, is that where it started? Like okay, it was just a then. keyboard like replacement thing. Like it, where you could just do a bunch of stuff with your keyboard. They should just call it Maestro. Like I don't... Yes, Maestro would be a better name. Yes, it would be. Keyboard Maestro people, come on. Like, because I've never <laughs> used this application because it's like, ah, I don't want to use keyboard shortcuts all the time. But like, I didn't even know you could do stuff like that. Yeah, so that's that's a little thing that I love. And there's another one which uh, it took me a while to get it to work exactly the way I want, but now saves me so much time. I, I simply call it startup. So when the computer reboots, Keyboard Maestro gets my computer into what I think of as the starting position. And so 
I'm sure everyone's familiar with the idea that you can have apps automatically launch when you start your computer. Mm-hmm. But I want them to automatically launch and then be in particular places. So when my computer starts up, some of the things that happen, it's like, okay, Keyboard Maestro will launch Fantastical, which is in planning mode for me, but it will also maximize Fantastical to then be its own space on the computer, which is exactly what I always want. It will launch OmniFocus, but now here's the thing. I always want two windows for OmniFocus. Uh, I want one little window in the top left, which just shows the executor perspective in a tiny little corner. And I want another big window, which opens up that shows me my all project lists in case I need to mess around with something. And Keyboard Maestro can do that. It opens OmniFocus, it makes a new window, it puts it into the executor perspective, it smushes it up in the corner, it opens a second window, it switches it over to projects, then it makes projects full screen. Like, it's great! Right, because even though the Mac can relaunch stuff for you, it maybe can't do all of those little independent parts, right? Yeah, it can't remember how are you fiddly about this. Mm -hmm. And I've been meaning to do this for like a podcast recording setup as well which is there's always a way I want the computer to be when I'm recording a podcast. This is like an environment setup. So I have made one for writing, which is if I'm writing on the computer, here's what you need to do. Like I press a button, like it closes down everything except the apps that I, w- that I want open. Like it opens them up, it puts them in the right spots and it's all set. Like the power of this is crazy. And I've, I have barely scratched the surface with what it can do. And I I really have to say, it's an app that I'd heard about for years and had always vaguely avoided. And I I was a fool to have avoided it. Like what it can do is is incredible. So I I just wanted to mention that in the automation category is something something that is brand new and has a has a lot of has a lot of potential for me. What are you using for writing these days? All right. This is the second big switch of the year. Oh, which is oh are you surprised mike i don't well i don't know <laughs> i have for years used ulysses but this year i decided to try another app that i have also been avoiding for years which is scrivener oh okay do you know of Scrivener, Mike? Yeah, I know of Scrivener. Everyone knows of Scrivener. It's been around forever. Like, if you've been focusing on Mac stuff for any amount of time, like, you will have come across Scrivener. Yeah, Scrivener, Scrivener is, uh, it has been around for a really long time. It's also cross-platform, so it works on Windows as well, which surprises me because it doesn't feel like a cross-platform app at all. But I would say that Scrivener is like the complete opposite of the types of apps that I have been using low these many years. So I have been, for years and years, using markdown text editors like Ulysses, where if you want to write something in bold, you put little asterisks on either side of it, and that tells the computer, oh, this word is supposed to be bold. But you don't select a word and do a keyboard command to like stylize it as bold. Rich text versus markdown, right? It's yeah, it's rich text versus markdown, or like in the really old days, LaTeX is the same idea. You're typing up what the formatting should be. You're not visually seeing what the formatting is. Now, I don't know if I'm going to stick with Scrivener because constitutionally, I greatly prefer marking up text 
with markers that I can see, as opposed to picking text to be stylized. But I do have to say that Scrivener is really interesting to me because I've gone all in on styles. And what this allows me to do in a way that I could never quite get to work with Ulysses or any other markdown text editor is to say, mark a passage as this is copy pasted from a book, like this is reference material, right? This passage is a note to myself in this document. Mm. This paragraph is an actual paragraph of the script. And by doing that, it allows me to export different versions of the script. So I can export to myself a version of the script that has just the parts that are actually oh, going nice. to be in the script. So yes. you can not only visually see it, right? So like it's nice because when you're going through your document and looking at it, you can like pick out all of the notes and maybe there's parts you yes. need to add so you can visually see what's left. But then also when it's done, you don't have to delete all that stuff. You can just yeah. export the thing you need to read. That's cool. That's exactly right, yeah. Uh, so if, if for whatever reason, like I want to leave a note that's a citation in some certain point, it can just leave it there and mark it as like, don't export this part of it. It also means what I have done is I can quickly send out versions to experts to be like, hey, can you look over this? And it cuts out 90% of the, like, the garbage that I would have to manually remove otherwise. And then on the other side, it allows me to export a version to myself that does have my own notes in it which then I'll, you know, mark up in something like good notes, right? Where I want to see my notes to myself and I want to see the part that's actually the script, but I don't need to see all the research material now because I'm doing a particular kind of draft. So it's very interesting. Like Scrivener is way, way overkill for me. Like I don't need 90% of what it does because, I mean, this is, you can write entire really heavy research thing like it has a whole ability to act as a kind of evernote replacement and like it it can do so very much but i'm only using this very limited part of it but so so far this year I, you know i wrote the statue of liberty script in it and i wrote the federal land script in it and i'm working on the next two videos i'm doing in scrivener so like this has been an interesting trial and it's so far, so good. I like it. I like it a lot. It's worth taking a look at if you do writing of any kind. It's interesting to me because a complaint that you had about Ulysses is that Ulysses really tries to force you to think that you're a novelist, right? Like that, that, that it does a bunch of stuff where it's like it's clearly mm. the application wants to be used by people writing books. Scrivener is even more like that. Yeah, th that's for sure Scrivener is... Its intended audience is a novelist or someone writing a, like a nonfiction historical book, right, with a, with a ton of notes. Um, one thing that is really great about Scrivener on the Mac is, good God, do they have settings. They have settings for everything. And that allows me to go in and turn off a ton of the stuff that I just don't want to see. Sure, sure. So that, like that is helpful. I think if the app forced me to see a bunch of um, like, here's a way that you can look at your novel in terms of index cards, along with the character profile for each. Like, I don't need any of this. I never want to <laughs> see it. I don't want to know that it's there. They are legit features, by the way. Like you can look at your book as if it's index cards on a corkboard. It's 
very detailed and involved. Yeah, it's it it really is. You can do a lot of stuff with it. And uh, what was it? Several episodes ago when I was complaining about Apple Watch faces, I was learning how to use Scrivener at that point in time. And I had imported all the screenshots of my Apple Watches into Scrivener just because their ability to rearrange images in a research project. I was like, oh, actually, this is a great tool for this to like visually line up a bunch of things like these things are similar group all of those things together uh, and also be able to make notes on the individual ones like it's a it's an incredibly powerful tool now if anything drives me away from it it will be that that it's it's too powerful and i i still really don't like styles i, I don't i don't fundamentally like the idea that there's some part of the writing that i can't see which is the invisible computer knowledge of what these sections are. I wish there was a way I could do it using characters like you can in Markdown, but I'm trying this trade-off, and so far it's, it's, been, it's been very interesting. And I'm kind of curious to know whether future me ends up sticking with it, you know, when we do State of the Apps next year uh, or, or not. I, right now I don't know which way it is, but it's... It's very promising, and I really think if you do writing, you should you should check it out. I avoided it pointlessly for many years. So considering it has all of these powerful like research tools, I'm sure you're just going to switch from Evernote, right? God damn it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so on the Apple App Store, they had a little thing one day, which was like, go look up the oldest app that's on your phone. I thought, oh, yeah, let me go, let me go take a look at what that is. And... I went into my purchase history. I scrolled all the way down to the bottom. And the first app that I ever bought on my iPhone was an A to Z London map guide, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. which is hilarious because, of course, it's like, oh, right. I didn't actually have a phone. I had an iPod and I needed to have offline access to maps in London, which is hilarious now. Number two was Remember the Milk. Yep. And number three was Evernote. It was my sixth. <laughs> yeah, Evernote was my third oldest app on the phone and is now officially the oldest app on my phone that I still use that I still find the most frustrating. <laughs> I have some real crap in this list. My god, <laughs> down at the bottom. Oh yeah, the the early the early stuff is real garbage. Like yeah. I, I had a ton of like throwaway games and a bunch yeah. of stuff. A, a rotary dialer app. Why do I have that? Why did I get that? Look, in the early days, we didn't even know what we could do with the phone. So we were just That's downloading true. whatever, right? You, you, you give yourself a pass. But mm -hmm. I thought my first three were quite funny. I was like, oh, A to Z maps. Like, God, I remember having one of you in my backpack and, you know, pre-phone days of having to look at it. For some reason, my first was iTunes Remote. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I downloaded a Facebook app, an AIM app. Net Newswire, which is an RSS reading app, Shazam, and then Evernote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why did I care so much about Shazam? I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you, Mike. <laughs> but like, I'm willing to bet that for a lot of people, Evernote is in like the first ten. Like, it's got to be. Look, we rag on it a lot because it is bad now, by and large. But back when it was when it began like it was incredible like what you yeah. could do in evernote compared to what you could do in literally any other note-taking application right yeah and especially considering that apple notes was 
not good. Garbage. Right, at, at this, right. It was terrible. Yeah. And Evernote was astounding compared to it. I think my, like one of my frustrations with Evernote is sort of like you were saying with uh, the apps. is like they're constantly doing stuff, but it's none of the stuff that I care about. And mm-hmm. that, that always feels frustrating. And it's like, as the joke goes, like they're busy selling socks and I want markdown support in my notes. Right. And it's like, yep. well, no, tough nookies. I do want to give Evernote a little bit of a break this year because... Like I was saying last episode, finding this new place in my, this, this new again place in my life for the iPad as like research assistant, I've realized that Evernote is much more tolerable for me if I'm using it entirely as an iPad tool that I'm, I'm using, like I'm collecting stuff all over the place and throwing it into Evernote, but I'm reading through documents and reviewing notes on the iPad and it makes it it makes it easier to to deal with that. So Evernote still has some killer features that nobody else does. I spent some time investigating when I was looking around at Scrivener of some of the alternatives, and it was still the same deal breakers. Nobody does uh, image OCR the same way Evernote does, which is a huge deal for me. And yeah, I would say it's tolerable. And in particular, Evernote did add one thing finally that made me very happy, which is a dark mode which makes a oh, huge difference to me. That's really great. It, it really does. Like, I know that last time we spoke about them, we were, like, poking fun at their design and stuff, but, like, it... And I still stand by a lot of that nonsense, but the it does seem like that they're trying to get their house in order a little bit. Like, it, yeah. it does feel like they're trying to, like, turn their ship a bit and try and focus mm-hmm. more, right? Because they put all their prices up, and, I mean, and that's a, the key kind of way. Like, they, they want to double down on some stuff. Mm-hmm. But a company as large and with a history like they've had, it's going to take them a long time if they do anything. Yeah. So, like, I, I take the dark mode as, a, like, a goodwill gesture. Yeah, and sure. There are a bunch of weird problems that I've run into with Evernote that just go away if I never open it on the Mac. And I just use it as an iPad-only tool. And so that's that's why, like, Evernote, you're, you're, you've been with me for however long. You're probably going to be with me until the last bitter day and at least you're tolerable now that's my feeling with evernote i would love if like during the course of our show we go from both like using evernote a lot to hating it to loving it again (laughs) wouldn't that be wonderful that would be great yeah there's nothing i want more than to really love evernote like there's there is maybe no app that i feel that strongly about i feel like a bit of an idiot at the moment Mm. because i'm working on a new project that we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And I need an application that can store a bunch of media types, mm-hmm. <laughs> including text. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking around and there's an app called Keep It that I've been looking at. And there's an app called Agenda that I've been looking at. And nothing's really worked. Maybe it's Evernote. <laughs> I think it might be Evernote. You know, they also let you share notebooks with people, which for that project might be useful as well. So just saying. Holy crap. Evernote, I'm coming back to you, baby. We're going to be <laughs> friends again. It could be Evernote. <laughs> wow, I can't believe that. All right, well, I'm just looking at their website and it's just like, oh, yeah, that's what you do. Wow, Evernote, look at you. I'm installing you again. I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about Evernote, Mike. Oh, my God. I can't believe we're doing this. What is going on? 2019. It's all going crazy. 
That's a real surprise. That is. That is a real surprise. I was not expecting to go there today. Huh. All right. Well, I'm going to give Evernote another go, I guess. <laughs> I really look forward to your feedback on that. That's going to be great. <laughs> look, Evercore, it's part of the show. I guess so. We even got show artwork for we it. We sure do. We sure do. Some of my favorite show artwork. <laughs> this episode of Cortex is brought to you by our friends over at Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace because they will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. For your side business, for your hobby, maybe for your local community group, maybe for an event you've got coming up. It doesn't matter what type of website you want to make, Squarespace gives you all of the tools that you're going to need. You can get a unique domain name, you can take advantage of and customize beautiful award-winning templates, you can have access to 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and so much more. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform. You can do anything with Squarespace. If you want to have a website that has a blog and has an online store, and maybe has map functionality so people can know where your business is, maybe has a music player to show off your latest creation, it doesn't matter what functionality you want. Squarespace has the tools built right in to let you do it. There is nothing to install, nothing to patch, nothing to upgrade, nothing to download at all. Squarespace have got all of that covered for you. Their plans start at just $12 a month, but you could start a trial today with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com slash Cortex. Go and play around with it, and I know that you're going to be convinced. I have been using Squarespace for my own projects for probably 10 years now, and I have no desire to look anywhere else because they give me all of the tools I need at a great price. Then when you decide to sign up, use the offer code Cortex to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for this show. Once again, that is squarespace.com slash Cortex and the code Cortex for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of this show. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So we spoke about all the important business stuff. Should we should we do a lightning round of some of the other yeah, things that we want round, to throw out sure. there? Yeah, All right. let's do a quick lightning round because I've got a bunch of things that I don't have a lot to say about, but I just want to mention as apps I like. Oh, I don't know. Was that was that lightning? No, that wasn't lightning. Yes, at all. no, no, that was lightning. Okay. As the man who listens to thunder sounds and lightning. But anyway, you you keep going. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll do the quick first lightning round. Anki, the cross platform flashcard memorization app that oh, i have this is the used app. for years and years it always pops up this one i always want to mention it because it's it's great if you are like i always recommended it to my students to use it's a, a, it's not exactly user friendly partly because of how <laughs> old it is but man is it powerful like it is really powerful okay and if you need to know anything i recommend you just throw a bunch of flashcards into it and use it to memorize information. Like my wife recently was using it for her citizenship application or citizenship tests, like to get oh, all that information in her head. Then I can only assume that it was the same thing that my wife used because they were sharing some kind of cards yeah. together. Like, so, okay, yeah. you can all you right. can share a card. Like you can give someone else the deck that you're using. And I just have a bunch of random stuff in there. And mm. for for any project where I feel like I need to learn something like i throw keyboard shortcuts in there all the time that's one of the things i like for it is every time i'm using an app and i feel like i use this shortcut a bunch i should just memorize it instead of looking it up each time i'm not in school obviously but there are still things that you need to have memorized in life and anki is the best for that so i really like it i highly recommend it if you are a student you are crazy 
to go be in school and not be using it. I'm gonna just gonna throw Discord into this. Ooh, Discord. Discord is a very powerful application. It's Slack for gamers, basically. Yeah. And it has just like a few features to it that I really like. So I, I'm a member dark of mode. a couple of discords. Yeah, dark mode is one of them. I'm a member of a couple of discords, but I'm mostly like lurking them. Like I don't really contribute too much. I don't really spend a lot of time in there. But for the game streams that me and Tiff have been doing for uh, playing for fun, it's mm-hmm. so useful. Like yeah. that some of the features they have of like, you know, you can set up a voice channel, which is just always open for people to join and leave. Right. Like it's just so useful for gaming. Their video and screen sharing stuff is so good. The way they think about streaming, you know, like if you have a streaming application open, it warns you like, hey, you've got a streaming app open. Like we're mm-hmm. restricting the view of some stuff unless you tell us otherwise. Like it is just a very focused application that I enjoy. It is not a Slack replacement. I mean, a lot of people think of it to be a Slack replacement. It's not a Slack replacement for what Slack is supposed to be used for, but it's mm-hmm. a, it's a Slack replacement for what a lot of people use Slack for. You follow me? Like yeah, Slack get, is a business tool, right? Yeah. But people use it to, to for social groups, and Discord is maybe a better social groups application. Yeah, for sure. And it is also the chat method for my very active YouTube gaming channel. Like it's it's perfect for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like Discord, and I I just I like visually the way it looks much better than Slack. Like I wish Slack looked more like Discord, mm-hmm. uh, especially because of that that dark mode, which is great. Great dark mode. Yeah. Which will bring me to my next lightning round pick which is a little extension called Dark Mode for Safari. Uh, it's the tiniest little extension ah, for, you, yes. for your Mac. But man, do I love it. Like, honestly, I mean, you know, I wrote an article about this a long time ago about in particular why I really like Dark Mode because I have some like visual issues that just Dark Mode makes a lot easier. And uh, Apple introducing Dark Mode onto the Mac was was like, amazing right like like mana straight from heaven and the last big thing that didn't play well with dark mode is most web pages and the dark mode for safari little extension it does it like a surprisingly good job of dark moding a whole ton of websites and what i really like is if you install this i recommend you switch it into what they call softer dark mode where it tries to match the like the very dark gray color that the Mac is using, which isn't really black at all. Like it's much, much lighter, but it's a it's a very comfortable color to look at. And so this makes most web pages fit in perfectly with dark mode on the Mac. A huge quality of life improvement. I totally love it. And it's very simple to add a site as an exception if you ever need to, to say, oh, don't don't mess around with the display of this page. This page has to be another way. So Big thumbs up for dark mode for Safari. Instagram. <laughs> Have you ever heard of this app? It's Are you recommending Instagram? Instagram? I don't recommend Instagram. I think Instagram makes you sad. I'm not recommending it. It's just oh, something okay. that I use and this year have found a new love for. Um, uh-huh. Instagram is my favorite social network. Uh, right. Contrary to you, it's a social network that makes me the happiest. Um, right. <laughs> it's full of things that I like. It's full of interests that i have you know that it's just like that are more visual and it allows me to see them right so like i'm interested in pens and watches and like instagram's great for that stuff 
right? Like I just get to Mm -hmm. see nice pictures of pens and nice pictures of watches, as well as pictures of my friends. I like Instagram stories a lot. I've been using it more. They just added a feature called close friends, which is awesome. So you can set up a small group of people to share Instagram stories with, maybe of more like personal or private moments, as well as things that you can share with the whole world. I think it's an app that has been developed very nicely. I, I wish they had an iPad app, but I just figured I'm never going to get it. So it's just my, it's just an app that I use on my phone. Um, you know, I've been using it more, um, more and more and more. You should follow me on Instagram if you don't already. I'm iMike on Instagram. I M Y K E, and uh, yeah, I like it. It's it is my favorite social network to be on now. It's not as sad as Twitter is. And for my next lightning round pick, then I am choosing Self Control, an app that will allow you to block <laughs> Instagram and and any other sites that you may want to block. Selfcontrolapp.com. Uh, it is by far and away the most hardcore of the blockers. If like me, you are a person who has too much technical knowledge for most of these blockers to be any kind of impedance on your laptop. Mm-hmm. Self-control is for you. Uh, so Very good if you decide you want to quit the internet for a period of time, I suppose. Yes, yes. And I, I will also mention that if you uh, scroll to their document support pages, you can uh, find the instructions for how to turn it into uh, extreme mode, which can last for as as long as you want. As, a, as opposed to Ooh. their normal use case, which don't is like just that. a couple hours. I don't like that. Do not like Self-controlapp.com. Highly recommend. <laughs> nope. Not for me. Thank you very much. Um, Overcast, still, I think, the best podcast app on iOS, purely because of the way it makes podcasts sound. Uh, I am not a believer in listening to shows at like 1.5 or 2 times. I know a lot of people do that. What I like about Overcast is it does really nice and sensible um, speed changes with what they call smart speed, what Marco calls smart speed. And it just removes the silences and just speeds up things very gently in certain places. I like it a lot. Um, and I really like some of the design changes that Marco did uh, this year to like the now playing screen and stuff like that. I think it's given a, a new life to the app that I enjoy a lot. Um, it's my favorite and has been my favorite for a long time. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah, we know Marco, but I could still say like it's clearly the best podcast app. And the reason it sounds the best is because he's rewritten, he's written this custom audio engine. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when I was listening to podcasts. Yeah, back in the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> back in the day. Overcast is the only one where I where I found I could crank up the speed without it, I don't know, sounding too choppy so like Mm -hmm. if if you especially if you do listen to podcasts fast you should probably go with overcast it's great um my next lightning round pick is a little app called auto wake and if you wear your watch all day and all night as i do like i do right i wear my watch all day (laughs) Yes, like you do as well, Mike. Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> That's not what we're talking uh, about. Ah, no. different, different watch. Okay. Uh, Auto Wake. It's done by the same developer who does Auto Sleep, and Auto Wake is the thing that I have wanted on the watch for years and years, which is an alarm in the morning that does two things. One, it's vibration only, so it's vibration on the watch alarm, but that two is also keeping an eye on how awake you are and trying to time that alarm to wake you up at the correct 
point in your sleep cycle. How is and this even possible? So I think it's running as a like as an exercise entirely in the background. I think that's what it's doing. But you have to have it as a complication on the watch face that you are using. Okay. So I have a I have a bedtime watch face for my Apple Watch, which is the modular mode all in red. And then one of those complications is auto wake. And like I really I really love this. This like if you haven't tried this, having a, a dynamic alarm, it doesn't just wake you up at six o'clock, but you can give it a window of time to try to wake you up. And if it can't find a good spot until six, like it will go at six. It's it's really great when it works. Like you can you can completely tell the difference of like, ah, it caught me at the right moment. And one of the things I do really like about it as well is the developer has allowed you to set like this custom schedule so you can have different windows of time on different days if you want to say like, oh, you can only have a 15 minute window on this day, but you can have an hour window on the weekend or whatever. Uh, it's very customizable. It It works really well. I love it. And it's a thing that I've wanted for years. So uh, auto wake is one of my lightning picks. This is really cool. Yeah, it's it's great. It's really good. You can integrate with HomeKit as well. Yeah, there's I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that I haven't even taken a look at. Um, there's there's oh. a lot of settings in auto wake. Very cool. Yeah, that's a very cool application. It's funny how the, I like seeing stuff like that where you're like, I don't even know that's possible. I like apps where you don't even know it's possible. Typically means they're doing something great. Yeah, those those are my favorite as well. Especially like sometimes you're with a group of people and you're doing something and then someone leans over and they're like, do you know there's an app that does makes this a thousand times easier? Like, oh, fantastic, right? Those are the best moments in life. <laughs> so, you know, I was, I've spent a bunch of time on this episode talking about like applications being updated and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There is an application that I use every day that I think is a shining example of the kind of thing that I'm talking about, about frequent and meaningful updates, and it's Carrot Weather. Oh, my God, yeah. That is an application that is constantly being updated with new and useful features, like in the way that I feel like more apps used to be. And mm-hmm. it is a wonderful app. They moved to a subscription model, which maybe it helped this. Like, again, like I am not complaining if applications if then if look if you're a developer who's not making any money then fine like stop updating your app like if this isn't a business for you anymore like i don't want you to go hungry like that's silly but i also hope that more developers are spending time working on finding out how they can turn their apps into subscription models if that's what they need to remain uh in business right like mm. cool like i i actively encourage that people do that because what Carrot Weather did, and I think it's one of the reasons that Carrot Weather has become even more and more awesome, is that the developers have a recurring revenue stream now because of the different like premium stuff that they added. And the features are so freaking good. Like I love this app. It's so customizable. Like I love that whenever I open this application, I get in a big bold number the feels like temperature. Because that's literally the only temperature I care about. But no other applications will let me customize it that way. I'm totally, I'm totally with you on this. Yeah, because who the hell needs the actual temperature? <laughs> I, I like, I get into arguments from people about like, I don't understand why anyone wants the actual temperature. But I feel like I'm a like a man totally isolated in this until hearing you say it. It was like, why do you want the real? I want the feels like temperature. What other temperature matters? I don't what understand. Supposed to do with it. <laughs> Like so, like right now, the actual temperature in London is eight degrees Celsius, which is forty six degrees Fahrenheit. 
but the mm. feels like temperature is six degrees Celsius, which is forty-two degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, that is a yeah. meaningful difference. Is, that is definitely a meaningful difference. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, oh, great. Like, <laughs> scientifically, I'm prepared for the weather. No, I want the actual <laughs> thing. So yeah. it's great. Like, I absolutely love this application. They're always adding... Like, they just added a new feature. Like, if you use this specific type of weather station, you can now integrate with that one. And it's a great app. Like, really just a brilliant app with loads of settings, which yeah. weather applications, like, yeah, give me all the settings. Like, give me all of them. I'll take them. It's yeah, because everyone's really fussy about their settings with a weather yeah. app. So yeah, I I, I love it. Uh, it makes me smile because like they when they move to the subscription, like the premium club, uh, this mm-hmm. is exactly the kind of app where it's like great, you your perfect candidate, like utility app. Please let me let me give you some amount of money. And I also love that they were, and, and again, app developers take take note of this. They were totally shameless when they added more stuff that they decided to add a super premium club right mm-hmm. so it's like there's two levels of subscription it's like yeah go go for it guys like don't don't be shy about this if you've added like a whole level because that's like integration with your own personal weather station like yeah yeah if if there are super nerds that you're building a feature for that only a tiny portion of your users will use but they'll love it like that is what a super premium subscription is for like that's yep. do that um yep so yeah i i i totally back it i absolutely love carrot and i I do have to say for me carrot thing i love about it is they have what i would regard as sorry carrot a tremendous amount of annoying bullshit in the app which is like there's hidden locations that you can find and like carrot wants to be snarky with you and there's little pictures of animals on the screen and i am i am like the anti-person for that but why i love carrot is i can turn all of that off right and the people who love it can have it on like Every app should do that. Every app should do that. Yeah, I, I like the design of it overall. I think it's very attractive, but also uh, is useful for, for data. I think it shows data, yeah. a lot of data in a good-looking way, which is an incredibly yeah. difficult thing to do um, whilst having a personality. Yeah, I visually like it a lot. Yeah, but and then, like, you know, you can, and it has its, like, the little personality. I like, you know, I have it, I did a change, I've made a change. I have it set to, per, like, it's friendly. So it just says mm-hmm. nice little things to me. Like it says, blast, rain's about to begin. And that's cute. Right. Like, I like that. Like, why not? I don't yeah. need, like, rain. Like, you know, like, give me give me the information I want in a way that I want it. Carrot is just, Carrot Weather is just a wonderful application that I, I enjoy greatly. Okay, I've got two final very, actually, I'll do three. <laughs> Four, no, wait, five. No. <laughs> okay, no, I'm going to finish up with three quick things. Super quick lightning round, and then I'm done. All right. Okay. Just press record is a great voice recorder for iOS. Uh, I don't use it often, but when I do, it's the nicest, the fastest, and also will automatically do a transcription of your voice recording, which is great. Good Apple Watch app, too, if you have an LTE Apple Watch. Yep. Also works on the Apple Watch. Uh, And then two Mac apps that you'll know if you need them. The first one is called Gemini 2 which is a duplicate file deleter. I've tried a bunch of these. Gemini 2 works the best. I ran into a situation where for various complicated reasons, I had uh, hundreds and hundreds of duplicate video files. And boy, did Gemini 2 make that day go by much faster than it would have otherwise. And the last one, if you're back to the Mac, is a very old app called Fluid. But Fluid is a is an application that will allow you to turn a website into a oh, standalone app. Oh, I remember app. that one. 
Yes. And yeah. I want to end on that one because I think that was in the first article that I wrote. Right? Like, that one was included in there. Uh, but boy, that's really nice. And I like I use it for um, brain.fm and a few other places that they just don't have a Mac app. And I don't want to open up Safari every time. So Fluid, if you're on the Mac a lot and there's some annoying website, you want it to pretend like it's a standalone app, Fluid will do that for you. So that's the, okay. end, of, that's the end of my lightning round, Mike. What you got? I can confirm that Fluid was not in the original post. Oh, interesting. Okay, I thought it was. I'm just going to give a couple of extras. Deliveries, which is the best package tracker around. Love that mm. app. It's just a nice little application. Uh, Narwhal, which is my Reddit app of choice. I recommend Narwhal because everybody else recommends Apollo, and I really like <laughs> Narwhal, and I think they don't get enough love because I think it's just it's much more simple, and, and I really like it um, because I, I'm not a power user of Reddit. I just have like a couple of subreddits that I poke around in, and I, and I think that Narwhal deserves a shout-out every now and then because I think it just doesn't get them. Um yeah, I think I think I'm good with that. Like, obviously, there's a bunch of stuff I use, but a lot of it is just stuff that everybody uses. Um, I still mm-hmm. use PipeDrive, my sales CRM tool. <laughs> Could throw that one in there. <laughs> Part of your very important workflow, Mike. You can't change it. Very important. Very important. CortexMerch.com. CortexMerch.com. If you want to have merch arrive with <laughs> I you, I'm, you don't I'm, never me, like, I'm never ready. I'm never ready. I know it's coming, but I'm never ready. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time that you, you like, I can hear you hesitating and you're thinking, is he going to do it? And then, it, yeah, it's always a disaster. Because most you. of the time, I don't know you're ever going to say any of it. So my brain's already going. Right, I know. So that's Cortex why, That's why I like this one. <laughs> If you cortexmerch.com, <laughs> if you want to have any Cortex merch arrive with you or a loved one uh, for Christmas, December nineteenth is the last day to order to to be confident that it will arrive. If you live in the U.S., we still have a small a small number of the limited edition Cortexmas pins in stock, so you can get those along with uh, a lot of the other stuff that we have, hats, hoodies, tees, and other regular pins as well. So go to cortexmerch.com to get those. I want to... I'm scared you're going to do it again. <laughs> no, Mike, I wasn't okay. going to do it again. Because okay. I know you're going you're gonna to transition into the next topic now. So I would never do cortexmerch.com then, unless okay. I did. I don't know. I want to talk about PodCon. PodCon? I'm going back to PodCon. Going back to PodCon. Going back to PodCon. It's in January, January 19th to 20th. It's in Seattle, Washington again, uh, where it was last time. I'm going to be there. I'm doing a bunch of stuff. Uh, there'll be, I'll be able to share more about exactly what I'm doing soon, uh, but I'm going to be on some panels and some, some fun stuff. Uh, I'm going to be doing something called a creator chat, which I did last time, where 12 people are in a room with me for an hour and we talk about the ins and outs of podcasting. It's a really valuable thing. I found it valuable for me and I've heard from some people actually who were in my creator chat last year who have now gone on to start podcasts of their own. So I'm really excited to hear that, right? Because that's like exactly what it's for. Um, That is something that there is limited space for, so you need to sign up for. So if you buy a ticket, you'll be sent a link to to sign up for that. And I'm going to be doing a meet and greet like last time. Um, and I've got a new poster. So you may remember oh. I had a custom poster designed for people coming to my meet and greet signing at the last PodCon. It was only available to people that came. 
and I've been working on another one with the wonderful with the wonderful illustrator that I worked with last time, uh, CJ Rowland. So he just does incredible stuff, and I've got another one which I'm going to share this with you in a moment, Gray. So people will know because I'm not going to share this ahead of time. You have to be there if you want to get it. Um, this is going to be like a first come first serve event. There will be uh, information about this later on where you'll be sent all the information about when all this stuff will be happening if you sign up for a podcast ticket um once they've got all of that nailed down but there i think it's 100 people so if you want to get one of these amazing posters and you can get it signed by me if you want to if you're going to be a podcon this is the only way to do it now gray i'm going to send you uh this Ooh. incredible image that i have here i like that you're doing the poster again mike because Obviously, it was a big hit last year. Yep. But I also find this sort of cute because I know you did the poster last year because you were terrified that you might be sitting in a booth, sad Mike, with no one there coming to visit you. And you were actually quite a huge deal at PodCon. So uh, this year, I expect you will also be quite a huge deal. Don't get me wrong, Gray. I'm still doing it because I'm still terrified nobody's going to show well, up. No. Okay. But see, <laughs> that's why that's what I was working towards here is I think it's sweet because I, I know I know that you're like deep down still a little worried, even though mm-hmm. big podcasting deal, Mike Hurley, running a network it's on a thousand and two shows as far as I know. <laughs> yep. So it's sweet that you're still having the, the poster made. But it was really awesome last year. And oh, it's just come through. Holy moly. Yeah. That is a lot of detail. Yep. I really like this. Yep. Now, I, I can't describe it to the people, can I? Nope. Not even just a little? Maybe. We, I'll, I'll, I'll describe it this way. It's Mike over Seattle. Mm-hmm. Is that is that okay? Is that enough? Let me give you let me give you what what this was here. Right, the, the idea mm-hmm. of this is I'm returning to PodCon. Let's think of this as like a a sequel. Mm-hmm. So this is more like a movie. Oh, <laughs> just noticed one of the, the labels. The label that's behind you. I like that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's wonderful. I love this even more than the first one. So if you want to get your hands on one of these, I'll share the image later on. But if you actually mm-hmm. want one, the only way to get it is to come to PodCon. PodCon is amazing, by the way. If you don't know what it is, it is like a podcast industry creator and fan event all rolled into one. There's a bunch of live shows. There's a bunch of panels. So whether you are somebody who wants to get into podcasting or you just love podcasts, there is something for you. It's bigger and better than last year. I'm really excited about it. I'm so happy that I get to attend and be involved. Uh, and I really hope that I get to see some of you there because it's it's a wonderful event and I can't wait. Yeah, I'm super disappointed because like la- last year I was like, oh, I couldn't make it for various reasons. And I was thinking next year I will definitely go. And having literally just uh, a couple of days ago arrived back in London from what was a, a dramatically longer trip than I expected. It's like mm-hmm. I cannot turn around and go back to America on such short notice again. So I'm going to have to miss it. But I like I'm really annoyed. Right? It's like I want to go to PodCon because you came back with stars in your eyes mm-hmm. talking about how amazing it was. And I was like, I've got to go next year. And it's like it just it would I think I might literally die if I had to step on a plane again uh, so <laughs> soon. So I just I mean, you know, you know, Mike, uh, yeah. I can't. I can't. So I'm disappointed. But this poster is awesome. People should go see you. And it sounds like podcon is amazing gray yes our next episode we're going to be talking about our yearly themes 
Oh, has the time finally come? We yep. We're allowed to discuss it. Yep. So it's going to be our first episode of 2019 is going to be talking about our 2019 themes. Uh, I recommend, if you do not know what the Cortex yearly themes are, there is some homework for you. I recommend going back and listening to the episodes that we have spoken about this in the past. So I'll put some links in the show notes. There are now three episodes that encapsulate the yearly theme idea. Episode 44, episode 45, and episode 62. These are the ones so far where we've discussed yearly themes, kind of when they were created, established, and then when we turned it into a thing where we would be talking about it every year. So we're going to be doing that in our next episode. So I will also ask if you out there, the Cortex listeners, have questions that regard to yearly themes, or maybe you want to share your yearly themes with us, if you tweet with the hashtag AskCortex, uh, we will address some of that too um, in our next episode, which is going to be a yearly theme extravaganza. And uh, I've got mine all set, and I'm ready. I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, I've been set for months, literally months. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to finally be allowed to discuss the yearly themes. If you haven't been with us as a Cortex listener since a previous yearly theme, I really, I really think they are a good way to think about life. So if you are a new listener, I'm going to strongly, strongly suggest you listen to those old episodes. Get it in your head. Think about it. Ponder it over the holidays. And then join us at the beginning of the year for the yearly theme episode.